through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we're at that spot today where uh, Jesus is delivering the Lord's Prayer, giving his disciples the, the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer. And so we've looked at, at several crossroads, and, and we're going to continue in that today. But um, we're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 9 through 14 today. So I want to invite you to stand, and as we, uh, you can open your Bibles to these verses, and we're going to read these. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hey, you can have a seat. So first and foremost, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out here. It's great to see so many dads. Bryant, that was fun. It was great. Um, if you contact the church, you can hire him out for parties. So he is available. Um, I do want to I do want to press into one deep truth he spoke that every, every man in this room needs to be aware of. There's a difference between barbecue and grilling. Listen to me. Barbecue is something you eat. Grilling is something you do. So, Bryant, thank you for sharing that deep, wonderful truth with us today. Hey, I, I love Father's Day, though. It, 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 it really does kind of justify, and you guys, you're, you're on board with me with this, right? It really does justify a full day of Sunday laziness, doesn't it? And, and it, truthfully, on Father's Day, I get to do the same thing I do every Sunday, but now I don't have to feel guilty about it. So, um, typical Sunday afternoon on a couch watching a baseball game or doing nothing, and, and of the other 52 Sundays a year, this one is justified, so that's good. Hey, I also know this, though. I do know that Father's Day can be a time of sadness for a lot of us. And, and my father passed away on May 15th of 1992. But here's the thing. I was an adult. I was 25 at the time. So I just thought it would be easier to cope with. I just thought, you know, it, it's different if you lose your father when you're a child. And, and so I had that mindset in my head all these years. But here's what I've learned over the last 31 years without my father, that my need to be father didn't end when I became an adult. And I, I realized that when I was at a men's retreat one weekend, and I was kind of looking around this, this, we're all in this chapel, and I'm looking around this room, and I'm seeing all these guys in there, and, and by, by no stretch was I the youngest one in there, but I felt like a child. I'm looking around this room, there's about 100 guys in this chapel, and, and I just had this feeling of just being a child. And I really had no idea why. I didn't understand it. So I spent that weekend of that retreat 
just really praying deeply and inviting God into that feeling of, of feeling like a child in the presence of, of all these guys. And, and by the end of that weekend, God was making it clear to me that he never intended for me to be fatherless at any point of my life. He never intended me to not have a father. On the contrary, he made me to always need a father, even well into my adulthood. And more importantly, he made me for him to be that forever father. See, here's the thing I learned. I thought I'd outgrown the need for a father, therefore the loss didn't matter. But the reality is none of us outgrows our need for a father. We all have that need and will have that need. But here's the thing. We need a father who is intimately present, not absent. And we suffer pain and longing when that's not there. And the reason for that absence of our father is completely irrelevant. That doesn't change our need. And my father was absent, not through any fault of his own, but through the natural course of life. And it sent me searching for what would satisfy my longing and relieve me of the pain. And I found it. And I want to share with you today where I found it. See, the, the pain and longing of needing to be fathered, intimately fathered, is universal for all of us because we're all designed to be fathered by an intimate presence, a presence that's so intimate that no human father can completely satisfy it. And it's a need that we all have. And that's a base need that, that the absence of a father inflames in us. When we find that our fathers are not present for whatever reason, there's this flame that rises up in us, this longing and, and desires to be met with intimacy from a father. And that is because we were never meant to be fathered by anyone but God. This current arrangement of fatherhood with earthly fathers is a product of the fall. It's not a product of design. It's exactly what Jesus points out in Matthew 7, verse 11. Listen to this. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, here's the thing. Every human father is less than God. It's just a question of degrees. But we are all less than God as fathers. We all father in a way that is less than God's designed intention. Because his designed intention is that he would be our intimate father. And as somebody who's, who's trying to father five kids, I know that my kids need to be fathered by God. And here's the reality. That's actually freeing to me. That's a truth that I think frees us. And here's why. Because knowing that my children, just like me, were meant to be fathered by God, allows me to release my children and myself to be fathered by God. So when we go searching for that intimate father, we have to be searching for God as the father he is. This is important for a lot of us. Not as the father I've had or the father I think he should be. Because when we go searching for God and we look for something less than the father he is, we're never going to find that full satisfaction. And so fatherhood has been distorted 
And it sends us down a path of desiring God to be the opposite of what we had when we didn't have a good father. So I don't care what God is, just don't be that man. And there's a lot of us who are in that position. Or I don't care who God is, just as a father, just be there. And, and the reality is, much of our expectations of fathers is rooted in a twisted and distorted culture that's present in our current age. Because much of fatherhood in our culture has become about absence, selfish absence. Don't get in the way of your kids. Let them make decisions for themselves. They need to be themselves. Let them seek whatever their hearts desire, which oddly enough works out perfectly if you desire to be an absent father because then you don't have to be present. You can let them go. Fatherhood has become ruled by convenience and ease and absence in our culture. I can sum up this cultural distortion of fatherhood in one phrase, baby daddy. Think about that phrase. It speaks to fathers as very little more than just DNA contributors and reduces children to an inconvenient consequence of selfish sexual behavior. That's what our culture is pointing us towards as fathers. And we as a church need to challenge this concept of fatherhood. And how do we do it? We do it by seeking God as an intimate and interested father. And we do it by becoming like God in our own fathering. That's how we push back against the culture that tells us that fatherhood is something less than it's supposed to be. The practice of it doesn't have to be in, rooted in God's fathering. It can just be rooted in what's convenient for you. And so that's our crossroads this morning. That's the crossroads laid out before us in Jesus's model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It's this, is my narrative of God one of an absent father or of an intimate father? That's what we have to ask ourselves this morning based on Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer because our culture has no issue with an absent father. In some ways, it even encourages fathers to be absent, to be self-absorbed. It's also easier to be an absent father. It's easier to walk away. It doesn't cost you as much to not be present, as we're gonna see, because presence demands vulnerability. And we feel safer by being absent. Intimacy demands vulnerability and presence. That's true in every relationship. It's especially true in an intimate relationship with God as our Father. And so the invitation in the Lord's Prayer is to approach God as an intimate and present Father. And then to be made into the same thing as Father's. Now, here's the thing. Because the Lord's Prayer is actually a prayer, we have to understand some basic concepts of prayer before we go too much further. And so here's what we need to understand about prayer. Prayer is about intimate conversation, both speaking and listening to God. It's about vulnerability and presence, and it's about being vulnerable and present with our needs, not simply getting our needs met. We need to understand that prayer is about transforming the one praying, not about changing the mind of God. And so with these basic concepts of prayer, we can dive into the Lord's Prayer. I think uh, 
Baptist preacher and author, John Piper, he's one of my all-time favorites, he sums up prayer pretty well with this quote. Listen to this. The key to praying with power is to become the kind of persons who do not use God for our ends, but are utterly devoted to being used for his ends. We have to keep that quote in mind as we look at the words of Jesus in this prayer he gave his apostles, he's given to us. And so in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is actually giving us a picture of God as intimate and present, not absent and distant. He's pushing back against the cultural idea of absence and fatherhood. And so with that in mind, we can press into the Lord's Prayer a little more deeply here in Matthew 6. And so there's three sections to the Lord's Prayer. The first one is context. The second section is remembering God's greatness. And the third section is God present in meeting our needs. This gives us a picture of God intimately involved as glorious and perfect in the lowly and mundane things of our lives. That's a father who fathers with intimacy, who desires to father us with intimacy, who desires for us to let him father us with intimacy. And so the first section, the section of context, is actually just one sentence. Our Father in heaven. So here's the thing. The word our speaks to God's desire for intimate presence with all of us. God fathers us in the context of community. It also speaks to the commonality and community of all of those who would call God a father. All those who would come to God and say, will you be my father? It also speaks to the commonality and community of all believers. Understanding that God is a father to each of us, but he's the same father to all of us. And so it starts in a context of connection and belonging. Jesus sets the stage for this model prayer by first placing it in a context of connection and belonging for all in himself with God. And then he reminds us that God is in the center of this community he just invited us into. He's in the center of it as a father. Father to all in the community and yet still intimately present to everyone individually. And so this section, this first section of the Lord's Prayer makes it clear that only God is perfectly present to satisfy our need for intimacy with the Father. God is the only one who can be perfectly present to all of us so that he can satisfy our needs for intimacy with the Father. Now, if you have wounds from an absent father, Jesus makes it clear that with God as your intimate and perfect father, you have a place to belong and you have a community to be celebrated in and you can actually be in God. Oftentimes, our personal history of a father influences our expectations of the father. Now, here's the other thing. If you desire to be the type of father that God is, Jesus is giving us the Heavenly Father principles of creating a community of belonging for all of your children who are actually His children, just as we are His children. 
He's inviting you to celebrate the uniqueness of each of your children within the community that has God as Father. He's inviting you to say the community that we're building with God at the center, our family, will always stand on God, not on me as a father. And then we get to the next section. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is now showing us that prayer should remind us of God's greatness. His name, his nature, his heart, and his character is holy and perfect. And that should be part of our prayers, to remember that. And because of his holy and perfect nature, his, he wants his kingdom rule to come to all of his children. Here and now, first in our hearts and our minds, then in the entire world through us. And then Jesus is inviting us to pursue the Father's will. And his will is this, intimate relationship with each of us, an intimate and present Father. And this section of the Lord's Prayer makes it abundantly clear that God is the only one who perfectly desires to satisfy our need for an intimate father. I know all of us as fathers desire that for our children sometimes. But if we're honest, we don't desire it perfectly. Because life pulls us and draws us, and we struggle with the same fallen nature that says, I have to make something of me. And truthfully, there's times when I feel this pull to make something of me, it costs my children something. But God's not like that. He has a perfect desire to satisfy our needs for an intimate father. Now, let me say this. If you have wounds from an absent father, Jesus makes it clear in this section of the Lord's Prayer that what you experienced, your hurts, were not from the will of a perfect and holy father, but from the will and wounds of your fallen earthly father. We're not judging any fathers, but we're recognizing that we are all less than God as fathers. Remember, it's just a matter of degrees. And so maybe one of the ways, if you have some of those father wounds in your life today and they're still there, maybe one of the ways you can face those wounds and draw closer to God is to ask yourself a few questions. If God's nature and character ruled in your father's heart, and if God's kingdom was brought into your home by your earthly father, and if God's will was done in your house the way it's done in heaven, would you have experienced the things that wounded and hurt you? See, oftentimes we like to go to God and say, God, how could this happen? But the other question may be, God, this happened. Where does it fit in your will? How could this come about? And if in the Lord's prayer, Part of the prayer that Jesus gives us is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then in my woundedness from a father, maybe one of the questions I need to ask is this. If my father had brought your kingdom into my house, would I have been hurt? Hurt in this way. And if you desire to be the same type of father that God is, then this section of the Lord's Prayer is an invitation to be a father who seeks to make known the majesty and glory of God to your children. A father who would fight the good fight to bring the rule of God, to bring his kingdom into your home. 
for your children. A father whose greatest desire is to align your own will with God's will so that your children know from experience that God's will for them is good and perfect because they've experienced God's perfect and good will in their lives through you. Then we get to the last section of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this final section, Jesus is inviting us to do two things. The first is humbly and acknowledge that we have needs, that we cannot meet our greatest needs on our own. And to acknowledge that God is the provider. Jesus is making it clear that God, even in his transcendent greatness, even in the fact that he is far beyond anything we could know in this world, Jesus is making it clear that even in that, God is still intimately concerned with the lowly and the mundane of our daily lives. He's intimately present in the times of our deepest needs. And this section of the Lord's Prayer makes it abundantly clear that God is the only one who is perfectly capable of satisfying our need for an intimate father. If you have wounds from an absent father who didn't protect you well and didn't guide you to safety and security, know this. God's desire for you to have those things was not removed from your father. But your father may have made choices or had wounds of his own that prevented him from being fully present to your needs. And if you desire to be the same type of father that God is, the Lord's Prayer is an invitation to seek to be a provider and a protector and a source of security for your children, not out of obligation, but out of intimacy with God and a desire for intimacy with your children. There's three distinct sections of the Lord's Prayer, and all of them point to God as an intimately present Father. He's great enough to be intimately present. He desires to satisfy your need for an intimate Father, and He's capable of meeting your need for an intimate Father. He's a Father who seeks intimacy with us, not absence from us. Unfortunately, too often, what happens is we project onto God what we've learned from our fathers. And we start to feel left out of that divine fellowship of God as father and children. So I want to go back just for a second to my realization that I needed to be fathered as an adult. I eventually found the father who just wanted intimacy with me. And I was able to find comfort in that intimacy. I found the father who was content with me simply climbing up into his lap, putting my head against his chest, and listening to his heartbeat. And as I did that in prayer, I became more comfortable with his intimacy. Because as I did that, I discovered that his heart was beating for me. And if you're here today and you, 
you have some painful wounds from your father or if you're, you're searching for a father who can fill the emptiness that's left by an absent father, whatever that might mean for you, whatever that looks like for you, I want to share just a little bit of the story of Josiah, one of the kings of Israel. Just want to share a snippet of his story with you. It's in 2 Kings 22. Now here, Josiah became king when he was eight years old. And in verse two, it says this, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Second Kings is full of verses like this that lay out the lineage of the kings of Israel. They tell us which kings were good ones and which ones were bad ones and, and which ones were bad fathers and then the son followed along in them and oftentimes it says, and he walked in the way of his father so-and-so and did evil in the sight of the Lord. But here's the problem with, with, with Josiah taking David, saying David's his father. You look at 2 Kings 21, it's pretty clear. David was not Josiah's father. Amon was Josiah's father. And it also says that Amon did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like his father, Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh. So how is it that David is called Josiah's father in 2 Kings 22? Well, here's how I think that came about. I think Josiah was walking in the divine principle of adoption the same divine principle that makes the Lord's prayer relevant for us. This principle is expressed in 1 John 3.1. Listen to this. So see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, the divine principle of adoption into God was present in the days of Josiah, but it wasn't fully realized until Jesus came. And so Josiah, in his wisdom, chose David as his adoptive father, the one he would walk after as a son. He was going to walk in the ways of David. They were holy and upright, not in the ways of Amon, his, his evil biological father. Now catch this. Even though David had been dead for about 320 years by the time Josiah became king, this wasn't someone Josiah knew. And yet he still knew this divine principle of adoption was, I have to choose my father. See, that's not how adoption works in our eyes, right? Children don't choose fathers in our eyes. And in adoption in our eyes, the father chooses the children, not vice versa. But divine adoption isn't limited to just that. Divine adoption includes something that's opposite to that. The child chooses the father in divine adoption. Listen to this in John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All who receive Jesus are given the rights of a child of God. And many of us are here this morning in the same place that Josiah was in when he took the throne of Israel. We need a new father just as he did. He chose David. But see, here's the thing. We are living now today in the fullness of the divine promise of adoption into God. We don't have to choose David as our father or any other man. We can choose God as our father. 
The invitation to be God's child is universal. It's in John 3.16, a verse we all know well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In Jesus, God has invited everyone to choose him as their intimately present father, just as Josiah chose David as his father. But David could never be intimately present with Josiah. He'd been gone for 300 plus years. So the best Josiah could hope for was to walk in his way. But here's the thing. We all need a perfect father, and God desires to be that intimate father for us. But we still need to choose him as our father, just as Josiah chose David. And then we need to walk in the ways of our father, just as Josiah walked in the ways of David. And maybe you haven't chosen God as your intimately present father because of your experience with your earthly father. Can I just say this? That to dismiss and disown a bad earthly father was, will never satisfy your need for an intimate and present father. To push that father off doesn't resolve the need that's still in you. But you can choose to be adopted by God, your perfect father. It starts with asking him to receive you as his child. Then you begin to live into intimacy with the Father of Jesus' model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It's really that simple as a starting place. And here's the thing about intimacy with God, though. It can always go deeper. He's unfathomably deep. It can always go deeper. Some of us have been walking with God as our Father for years. Can I tell you, there's a deeper place that you can go this morning with Him? If you've received God as an intimate Father, you still can go into a deeper level of intimacy with Him. And you do that by following the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, acknowledging that you are in Him as part of His community, recognizing His greatness, and then becoming vulnerable and sharing your needs with him. You can choose the road of intimacy with God as your father instead of living in the pain of an absent earthly father. But it's before you, and no one can choose it for you. You must step into that yourself. It starts with recognizing your need for God as the perfectly intimate father, regardless of your father, whether he was the greatest man who ever lived or one of the worst. He cannot satisfy your need for an intimate father because you were created to be fathered by God and God alone. Now, if you don't mind, I want to close with the Lord's Prayer. And so I'd like for all of us to pray that together. And, and so we're going to put it up on the slide. I know that we've all learned it different ways. I'm going to encourage you to pray it how you know it best. Don't worry about other words. But, but we all have different words that come in our heads. Some of us immediately default back to the King James. And if that comes out, I apologize in advance. I'm going to try to stick with my ESV mind in this. And that's what we're going to put on the screen. So would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.